Modern Mamas podcast. I'm Jess, a level one CrossFit trainer and a licensed and certified athletic trainer. I have my master's in kinesiology and I'm currently studying to be a certified nutrition consultant and birth fit coach. I'm the blogger behind Paleo-ish and the soon-to-be-launched Hold the Space Wellness, as well as a mama to two small kiddos. I'm here with Laura, a certified CrossFit trainer, a certified nutrition consultant, and BirthFit Santa Cruz regional director. She's also a soon-to-be mama. She is the woman behind Radical Roots, where you can find recipes, insights, and nutrition consulting. We're here to provide a safe place for open dialogue, insights, and anecdotes about empowered pregnancy, labor, delivery, parenthood, and everything in between with zero judgment and open hearts and minds. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. All right. I hope you guys have had a great week. Uh, Jess and I are here today to talk about nutrition because last week we were a little short on time. Yeah. Or Maybe I should say we were a little high on info to just share with you guys. <laughs> That's um, way to put so, it positively. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided to save the nutrition stuff for this episode. Um, this is just going to kind of be a start. So this is like a 101 uh, nutrition episode. But before we jump into the actual nitty gritty of the episode, I feel like we should probably do a little check in because um, even in just a week, there's a lot to talk about. Do you have any updates for us? Um, let me think I, you know, there's really not a whole lot exciting going on in my world. Just keeping kids alive, you know, (laughs) um, I don't, I launched the, I think we talked about it last time, but I launched the hold this, the new hold the space site and I am, it's going good about to to put out some new content, um, which I've been kind of like stockpiling, um, the last couple of weeks. So that's good. Um, we have some exciting guests in the works uh, for the podcast, so we've been working on that for you guys. And um, other than that, personally, kiddos' birthdays are about to come up, so we're about to have a one-year-old and a four-year-old, and so we're kind of focusing all our time and energy on those those two little rascals. Do you do a big one-year birthday party? I can I get four, but for one, I'm like, ah, uh, you know, it's, it's hard. like a celebration of like we kept our kid alive for a year, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, um, it's. I feel like at that age, it's totally for you and not for them because they yeah. have no idea what's going on. Um, but we did do a pretty big one for Bear. Uh, we'll probably we'll probably do just family for this one because it's like, okay, we're, she doesn't have friends. Like, I mean, come on. <laughs> So we'll probably do that at the house. I'll probably will put on um, the blog a. I'm working on like a a baby friendly birthday cake. So like, oh, you know, refined sugar free and paleo and all that good stuff. So that will definitely be something I'll put some effort into. Yeah, we did a um, instead of a baby shower, we did like a co-ed baby barbecue, mm-hmm. and we were thinking about doing something like that for a one year because it's like, you know, you just like people drinking beer and or whatever and barbecuing <laughs> burgers and uh, just celebrating the fact that there's a kid coming, and now it's like celebrating the fact that uh, we did it for a year. So that's a milestone. If you can survive yeah. a year, you can survive <laughs> anything. <laughs> yes, that's how I feel. I'm super excited about it. Plus, a lot of our friends have kids just like, you know, that are in their first year or a year and a half or, you know, up to like four or five. So um, it's always fun when all the kids are around because it, it makes my heart full to think about having ours 
playing with them. I know. It's the best. Um, what about you? What's going on in your world? Are you still pregnant? Have you heard that about a million times? Now? <laughs> I'm still pregnant. Um, I really think if I were to place my bets, it's any day now, like probably the next day or so. So we already kind of talked off air that there's a lot of things happening that are clear signs that she's on her way. So, um, I'm feeling very excited and a little tired. I'm not sleeping a lot, but, um, that's to be expected, but mostly just excited and ready for this. Uh, some people are like scared of labor and delivery or whatever. I'm actually really excited. Um, just because it's something that I feel like is a real gift to be able to experience. And so I'm just ready to get there and do this thing. And I feel very supported and, um, we'll get into all that, but like doula and husband and all that in the preparation. So it's been, it's been a good pregnancy, but I'm ready for it to be over. <laughs> I feel like no matter how great your pregnancy is towards the end, you're ready. So yeah. not to take anything away from those last few days, but it's like, let's be real. Like yeah. you're ready to have your, your body kind of be your own and mm-hmm. work on the next phase of parenthood, which is kiddo on the outside. I've got this foot jabbing into my, um, into my side right now. And I can't wait to see what that foot actually looks like on the outside. It's so exciting. <laughs> like oh. grabbing a foot when I rub my belly. It's really <laughs> cool. But yeah, so we actually have, I have an appointment today with a midwife and, uh, kind of see where I'm at and what's going on. That'll be nice. And then we'll go from there and acupuncture today, which is another thing I was thinking about. We talked a lot about self-care last episode, but we didn't talk about like chiropractic and Mm -hmm. acupuncture and massage. And I think we'll have to do a whole nother episode on that because those things are kind of like one of the most, some of the most important parts of self-care during pregnancy. They've changed my whole, uh, I think they've really made this pregnancy so much better than it would have been otherwise. So we didn't forget that stuff. We just, again, High on inflation. (laughs) (laughs) We have to pace ourselves, remind ourselves we're going to be doing this podcast for a very long time, hopefully knock on wood. And so we have just plenty to talk about. So we'll bring some experts on too. That'll be fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, Should we jump in? Let's talk. Okay. Let's get into it. So Uh, yeah, take it away. So one of the concepts that we want to kind of use as an intro is the concept of eating for two. Um, and that is, you know, I have mixed feelings about that. Um, you know, a lot of people will talk about using that as an excuse maybe to indulge in foods that they might not normally have. Um, and not to say that indulging in things, treats or whatever is a bad thing, but if you are going to be consistently doing that for the duration of your pregnancy, there can be some problems with that. Right. So, um, let's talk about that concept as far as eating for two, when we say, that's not necessarily wrong. We mean you are eating in the mindset that you're providing nutrients for two people. You are growing. It's it's mind blowing to me. You're growing something, a human out of nothing, your own body. And so the, the nutrients that you need will definitely need to be increased and very specific, um, as far as what's really going to support the best growth for that little tiny human being from the, from the get go. So I know Laura and I both kind of feel that it's not about eating for two in regards to calories. It's about eating into for two in regards to, um, really just what the quality of food that you're eating. Um, and I know, I think the general, and I, I hate talking about calories. Um, I just feel like it's not a great, um, tool for judging, the actual intake of your food. Um, but when we're talking about calories, I think the, the most general recommendation is something like four to 500 extra a day 
Have you heard I that? Have two to two to three. Two to three. three. Maybe that's with breastfeeding. And then it's yeah, it's four to five yeah. is breastfeeding. Yeah. So but I mean, like you said, calories are not all created equal. So exactly. it's that's such a you know, it's such a weird indicator of if you're getting enough because that's yeah. not what we're actually worried about. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any more to add about that? Do you feel like you yeah. have been eating in terms of quantity? Do you feel like you've been eating more, or do you feel? Um, it's interesting because I actually was, we'll get into this later on, but I was, um, I've done, I've tried like everything. Cause I feel like if I'm going to give nutrition advice, I should do it. And, and I was counting macros, uh, when I got pregnant. And so, um, we'll talk more about this as I said, but I stopped and just started eating incredibly intuitively. And there were days when I probably, um, hardly reached like what my goal calorie intake would have been before. Obviously when I was sick in the beginning, that's another story. But even later on, like when you eat intuitively, you eat what your body needs. And so there were days when I probably ate so much more. And then there was days when I ate a lot less and it wasn't because I was like treating myself or splurging or it was literally like today I'm starving. And so for whatever reason, like maybe baby's growing, like going through a growth spurt. And then other days she was probably like sitting on my stomach and I didn't have space, you know? So mm-hmm. I think setting any sort of calorie goal or restrictions, um, is not only bad for, um, us mentally when we're pregnant, because then we feel anytime you set up calorie or macro goals, you're setting yourself up to potentially feel like you failed in some way. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing f- that you, I mean, this is especially in this time of life when you're growing a human, you don't ever want to feel like you're failing in any capacity. So, um, I would say eating intuitively is even if you're not pregnant yet and you're like planning to get pregnant in the future, it's something to practice now. Um, if you do count macros, let's say, and you're an athlete or whatever, for whatever reason, um, I always recommend people maybe just do a month of that at a time and then take at least two weeks off or a full month off and then go back on and kind of do it cyclically because I've worked with women who, who've been on a macro plan for like a year and they don't even know what hunger feels like. Mm-hmm. They don't know what it's like to eat based on what your body is telling you it needs. Um, and especially as women, those of you listening who are women and who have a cycle, you're going to find that your body might have different needs at different times of your cycle too. So just like with pregnancy, different times of your pregnancy, you might be more or less hungry. So being able to listen to that is really huge. And like you were saying, not all calories are created equal. Um, calories are in and of themselves kind of a ridiculous, um, tracking mechanism, I think for making sure you're getting enough food in because ultimately when you're pregnant, it's about calories. It is about macros, like fats essential when you're pregnant, glucose is essential when you're pregnant, proteins essential when you're pregnant, but, um, eating those things intuitively is much more important than counting nutrients. I remember going to my mother-in-law's and there was a dessert of some, of some kind. And I think my brother-in-law was like, well, you're eating for two, have as much as you want. And I was like, no, I'm going to treat myself. I'm going to have this piece of whatever and enjoy it, but I'm not going to have two giant pieces <laughs> because the baby doesn't need a piece of pie. Right. Right. So that's um, hilarious. I, yeah. I totally, and I love Thank you times. Yeah. And I love that concept of intuitive eating. That's something that I, um, kind of off pregnancy topic, but something that I am growing into as a woman, um, because so many women, I feel like we just lose touch with our bodies and our needs because we're told, um, you know, by society or by ourselves or, you know, from numerous different outlets that we need to control the food that we're eating. Right. We need to not listen to our body. If we're hungry, it's probably not a good thing. Right. Um, if we're craving something specific, don't listen, you know, you need to eat carrots or whatever. Um, and that's just over time, something that we've 
come to think is normal. And so the concept of intuitive, intuitive eating, especially during pregnancy, when you're growing a human, I think is so huge. Um, and if we, you can start doing that, um, as early as possible, especially if you're pregnant right now, I think that's going to set you up um, for the postpartum period. Um, and just take away a lot of guilt, which I hate. (laughs) I like to think of food as a a love language and not just like baking a a pie for someone or cookies on their birthday. It's like to love language also in that it's the way that we can kind of like treat our bodies with love through nutrients and nourishment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I did a whole post on that a while back, but I love thinking of it that way instead of like food as a punishment or as a a reward or whatever, or even just as fuel. I like to think of it as more than just fuel, but also as like deep nourishment that we can love ourselves with, which is pretty cool, especially during pregnancy when a lot's going a little haywire, the better you can eat and serve yourself the, you know, that doesn't mean don't treat yourself to like goodies every once in a while, but it does mean that the things you are eating matter on a daily basis. So totally. So with that, we want to transition into a subject (laughs) that I told Laura before we started, I get so pissed off. Sorry. I'll bleep that (laughs) off. If that people consider that a curse word, I'll bleep it off later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there is a recent, God, from the American Heart Association talking about how coconut oil is bad. Um, it's not healthy for us and it's never been healthy for us. And we kind of want to, you may, maybe not like dive deep into it, but touch on it because I feel like it's worth noting, um, especially for people that maybe are just now learning about nutrition. Um, and they, you know, are going to these quote unquote trusted resources like the American Heart Association and they're finding information out there like this. So there's a ton of, um, Great bloggers out there, um, scientists that have already wrote rebuttals. Um, so I empower you to go out there and look like Gary Taubes, I think, wrote an amazing article um, about it. But in terms of pregnancy, the danger of listening to that article when we're talking about fats um, can be, I mean, severely detrimental. So the importance of fat during pregnancy, especially high quality saturated fats, which hello, coconut oil is a huge source, um, is, is amazing. So Laura, I'll let you kind of touch on some of that since I know you dove pretty deep into it. Yeah. And just like to touch on the, the quote unquote recent articles, it's really frustrating because it's just, it's, it's current. It's like, um, different media outlets who are looking for clickbait who have found basically just rehashing old arguments and old, an old study that's already been kind of, it's already been disproven. Um, it's really poor research. And so one, I think, I don't know who the first one, I think it might've been even actually BBC or something. And then another one came out recently from, I don't even remember, but there's, I've seen three or four different media outlets with no expertise in nutrition, just posting these things that it's like, it's just clickbait coconut oil is bad for you and it's never been good or whatever. Um, it's as bad as beef tallow lard or bacon. And first off to start is that you have to have a, you have to already have the belief in place that bacon, beef, lard, and tallow are bad for you to even buy into this argument in the first place. So <laughs> there's faults there already. And then um, they're basically taking old information based off of one of the weakest sources of data, data that there is, um, observational epi- epidemiology. And so basically it just relies on questionnaires. Um, and so it's asking people to recall things. And um, it's widely known and widely accepted that 
this is never, this type of study doesn't establish any cause and effect relationships, but just more like associations, hypotheses that then they could go and make a study about, but they're just taking these poor studies, quote unquote, and then putting stuff out. And if any of you, I don't know uh, as far as like listenership, if you guys follow a lot on nutrition, but, um, you know, the, the H, the AHA also came out with a whole thing about they're labeling Crisco as healthy and like count chocolate cereal and cocoa puffs. And they're saying all that stuff is heart healthy. And so for me, it's just so maddening because as these studies have come out over the past however many years, people have gotten sicker and sicker and sicker. And, um, I personally think that this is a response to, I've seen a lot of studies as of late that have come out saying like connecting, um, vegetable oils to things like dementia and cancer. Um, and so I think it's a direct response to that because word is quickly spreading that vegetable oils are actually very bad for us. And there's a lot of money to be made on those, um, because it's basically just like leftover sludge from the soy and, and corn and whatnot that's grown in mass quantities. And so it's like, well, we need to keep making money. So we're going to make these actual healthful foods out to be the bad guy and kind of get people back asking questions again. So I know I've had people e- text and email me about these these articles that have come out. Um, and it takes a lot of patience on my end to understand that people don't know. And there's so much misinformation out there. And so, especially like you were saying, if you're pregnant, it's so, those fats are unbelievably essential. Think of saturated fats as stable fats and, and unsaturated fats as unstable fats that are much more easily oxidized. And so you're taking in potentially oxidized rancid fats in the form of vegetable oil, that are processed with high heat hexane. Um, and that's not doing any good for you or baby. So it's just, uh, well, the saturated fats are going to actually help to develop your baby's brain and all that. So I can go for hours, but what are your thoughts? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I think you pretty much covered it. Anything that I would have said and a lot more eloquently because I'll be honest. My dad asked me about it this weekend and I just like went off on a tangent. I'm still like in that impassioned, like reaction phase where it's like, I know all of the objective data that I can use to like be like, no, this is wrong. And this is why, but my first reaction is just like, like I want (laughs) to strangle somebody, but no, you're, you're, I mean, you nailed it. Um, and let's, let's be totally and completely honest. Um, there is a, the food is, is an industry. It's a business. And that comes from all aspects. That's governmental. That is, you know, organizations that we know and trust, like the American Heart Association to be so naive, to think that they're not being influenced by, um, those outside, you know, parties and and things like that, um, is, is just, I mean, it's wrong because it's got to be happening on some level. It's just like you said, there's got to be a coincidence between the the decline in corn and soy consumption because people are actually becoming more aware of how, how dangerous they can be and how inflammatory they are to your system. Um, there has to be a connection between that decline and, and this quote unquote report. So I'm sure we kind of wanted to touch on it, but I'm sure at a later date, as more information comes out, um, and we will, you know, do our due diligence and dive into the research because that's really what we should be looking at. Um, you know, don't even, don't trust us and trust our word. Let's look at, you know, what's out there. What is actual, you know, researched validated studies that show us that what the American Heart Association is saying is not true. Right. And we plan on, 
I know doing an episode where we can talk about that a little bit more. So I think we should do a full episode on the, t- the types of fats. Mm-hmm. And cause I remember, you know, when I was in, when I was in high school and college, I thought fat was the devil mm-hmm. and I ate, like I cooked everything with vegetable oil. I avoided all saturated fats. I was, I did not have a period. Mm-hmm. I was grossly underweight. Um, you know, and then I finally, I went six years without a period off birth control. And so it wasn't until I started eating and I had high cholesterol genetically started eating egg yolks and grass fed meat and lard and bacon and, um, coconut oil. And then my period came back. I got pregnant. (laughs) My, um, my cholesterol levels dropped significantly and my triglycerides cut in half. So I know that's just anecdotal. That's a story that I'm telling, but I always tell people, um, like when my sister texted me the other day about this and I was like, you are your best experiment. You know, you yourself can decide what, what makes you feel better? What makes your blood work better? Don't listen to an, an article, a clickbait article from a random, um, unreputable source that isn't necessarily going to be accurate. So, um, that's kind of my take on that, but it's harder when you're pregnant and you might not feel great and you don't feel like yourself already. So then to try and experiment when you're pregnant, probably not the best time. So that's when you want to try and get your research in read ahead of time. I know there's so much to research when you're pregnant, but like, especially first trimester or, um, before you're pregnant, when you're thinking about getting pregnant, that's the time to really dive into the research and to figure out what's going to actually be best and understanding that not all OBs or midwives have any, um, have, they have little, if any, education and nutrition. So seeking out other sources for that as well. Absolutely. And again, I, so we can move on to the next topic because I'm sure Laura and I could talk about this forever, (laughs) but you know, when they're telling you things like, um, you know, you're talking about HDL and LDL and cholesterol and like all triglycerides, um, it, it's not just these things existing in isolation. Um, do you know what I mean? So like they all work together and you have to really look at the big picture when you're talking about those things. Um, I know they were throwing around some terms like LDL and and all that stuff, but those things do not occur in a vacuum. And for someone to just like take a snapshot of, and some data on one certain aspect of how all those things work together, um, can be really misleading. So I know I really, really want to dive deeper into that for sure at a later date. So yeah. Awesome. Well, should we dive in deeper? We are going to, we're, so our plan is to break down kind of trimester by trimester, um, the nutrients needed. Do you want to start with first? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so we'll, you know, obviously there are tons of nutrients out there that are essential, which is why, you know, people take prenatals, um, you know, they're eating a varied diet is super, super important. Um, but there are certain things to consider in each trimester of growth and development, uh, where you may need to focus a little bit more on, uh, sorry, <laughs> got a little distracted there on certain nutrients. Um, and we'll kind of talk to, to you guys a little bit about why. So in that first trimester, um, uh, really you're getting extremely rapid cell development. Um, and by week 10, you're probably seeing most of your critical development in terms of brain and nervous system foundation being laid already. Um, so the heart is starting to pump. The liver has started to become um, developed. So things and systems are, are, are in place the foundationally for your baby. And so that's why at this point, um, there are you know a good number of nutrients that that you'd want to make sure that you're getting to really maximize that window of opportunity. Um, and so the first one 
And Laura, you just jump in whenever you have um, okay. <laughs> information to share. But um, a big one, a buzzword is folate. Um, and we're talking we're talking about folate. Uh, we're not talking necessarily about folic acid. And I, I'll, we'll kind of both touch on that a little bit, um, the difference in what we mean by that. But folate is a B vitamin. So it's going to be one of those things that really helps, um, you know, things as far as like neural and brain development. So it helps close the neural tube um, appropriately. Um, it's just really, really good for that that mental and brain development. Um, I think recommendation, Laura, about 800 micrograms daily. Um, and so, you know, folate being in, from a natural food source um, is really ideal. And there are tons of things that you can be including in your diet that have folate, naturally occurring folate, things like asparagus, beans, if you can tolerate them. I and mean, I know a lot of people can do like sprouted lentils. Um, so they're easier on the digestive system. Um, spinach is huge citrus, which is also, um, another nutrient that can help maximize absorption of, of a lot of different things. Um, broccoli, tomato, and organ meats. <laughs> Yay, my favorite. <laughs> yeah. So I was not on board the organ meat train um, prior. Actually, even my last two pregnancies, I, I couldn't stomach it. But we're going to talk to you about something later on that, you know, if you can't do cooked organ meats, you have options. Um, but really, liver um, is one of the Including most... Including one we're going to do a giveaway for. Yes, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Um, but liver is probably one of the most nutrient dense foods there is on earth. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Laura, but I mean, you can get so much stuff just by eating that one food. It's got 65% of the daily requirement for folate plus a ton of other B vitamins. So we're talking things that are going to give you energy when you desperately need it during pregnancy. Um, so folate is huge. I mean, what do you want to add to that? Laura. Yeah, I, I would just add again another anecdote is that I th I really credit liver for a large part of how I was able to get uh, my fertility back and get pregnant and get my period back. Uh, I was eating it. I would just buy beef liver, grass fed beef liver, cook it up on the stovetop and just eat it. <laughs> I actually ate it on salads. I ate, you know, I, and for me, my husband couldn't handle it. But then, uh, like chicken liver pate, chicken livers are actually much more palatable than beef. Um, again, all that good stuff's in there. And so, um, it's just, it's one of those things where if you, even if you can't eat it b before pregnancy, during pregnancy, if you can supplement that in some way, they make some really high quality, like paleo Valley, which we'll talk about later, makes a really high quality, um, liver pill and it's just dehydrated liver and you can't taste anything or they make an organ complex. So it actually includes liver, heart, um, kidney, all that stuff is really great. My one caveat is always get grass fed because if you're eating sick cows, the liver is what um, helps to detoxify that sick cow. And so you might get some of that junk in there. So always going for healthy, happy cow or chicken livers. Um, yeah, I, 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 people throw the word superfood around all the time. And I genuinely believe that liver or organ meats are the, the um, essential superfood. They're like one of the only ones that actually exist. So totally. do it. <laughs> absolutely absolutely um and so folate obviously is one um protein okay so like we mentioned before this first trimester you've got rapid cell development um so obviously protein is literally the building block for everything in our body so it's so important especially in that first trimester when you may not be i mean a lot of people have such a protein aversion i mean did you experience that 
Meat? Yeah, fortunately, all I, meat, yes. I could eat a lot of eggs, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't even let my husband cook uh, ground beef in the house. <laughs> and it's so hard. Um, so finding a, a source of protein that you can tolerate, whether that's, you know, collagen protein or, or grass-fed whey protein, if you can tolerate it. Um, I did both of those. Yeah, just trying to get it in whatever way you can would be highly, highly beneficial. But you want it to be, obviously, again, with the caveat, it needs to be high quality from a good source. Um, I think the general ranges, we would say probably about 70 to 80 plus grams a day. Right, Laura? I mean... yeah. A good it amount person activity level. If you're, mm-hmm. if you're working out still, um, you know, but I would say trying to get a minimum of like 75 to 80 is probably, probably, probably ideal. Yeah. And then a bonus for another bonus for protein, cause it has so many positives <laughs> is, you know, in that first trimester, what they have found is that if you can eat protein fairly quickly upon waking and also every pretty regularly every two to three hours, if you can consume some sort of good quality protein, um, it can really help with that. The mornings keep the morning sickness at bay. Um, and then there's also some studies that have been done that it can positively affect cortisol levels. If you can eat it fairly quickly, um, to start your day. So cortisol, again, stress hormone, something Mm -hmm. you don't need during pregnancy or really at any point in your life. But if you can minimize the, the levels of that, um, it can also help to prevent gestational diabetes for the same reason. Mm-hmm. When you eat protein with your carbohydrates, it helps to buffer the insulin impact. Um, so you don't get these consistent like rise spikes and falls of insulin, which mm-hmm. then if you're managing your insulin, then you're less likely to um, deal with the whole gestational diabetes issue down the road. Absolutely. Cool. You want to take these next couple ones? Yeah. Omega threes. It's funny. I used to kind of be like a, I used to poo poo supplementing omega threes because I figured everyone can get it enough if you're just eating fish a few times a week. But, um, I've changed my tune a little bit. I am very, very picky about the kind of omega threes that we get, especially, um, ensuring there's DHA in there and from really, really, really high quality, uh, wild caught, fish sources, especially the smaller fish. Like if you can get sardines or even wild caught salmon, phenomenal as well. So we'll post, we'll put links to some good quality, um, fish oil, but really, really, really important both for fertility, pre-pregnancy for supporting your own body during pregnancy. And then probably most important for the brain development, um, and just overall development of baby as, as he or she's grown inside of you. So, um, it's great for brain development. It decreases inflammation. Um, and you know, just good for all the things that are developing. If you want, you know, good vision, uh, obviously intelligence as the brain grows, um, just making sure things are growing as they should be, um, throughout your pregnancy, really, really important. So, um, just something to keep in mind is like I said, you want the the small, the smaller, lower on the food chain, um, cold water fish. And you want to be sure that whatever you're taking has been checked for mercury levels. Um, cause that's just the world we live in now where the things that we eat are oftentimes contaminated. So you can find sources that have been like quality checked multiple times for mercury levels. Um, and then also I'd like to add in here the importance of actually eating fish when you're pregnant for a long time, we were told no fish mm-hmm. period. And that's just not the case. Um, I, my second trimester again with intuitive eating, my body wanted salmon. That's like the one of the only proteins I could eat. I was over eggs because I was eating like six <laughs> to eight a day first trimester. That's all I could get in. And then um, just you know a ton of wild caught bone in skin on canned salmon. Um, the bones in there, you eat them when they're in the can. They're they're actually at a nice crunch. Um, 
and they're great for you because they also provide calcium. The skin has like loaded with those healthy fats. Um, because it's wild caught, it's got really good quality omega threes. Don't need to worry so much about the mercury levels, especially in salmon. So salmon, sardines, the smaller, like cold water fish, like we said, really great to eat during pregnancy. It's up to you if you want to eat them raw or not. That's one thing I haven't done. I haven't been eating uh, sushi and sashimi, which is heartbreaking to me because that's my favorite food is sashimi. If you followed me for long, you know that. Um, but canned, broiled, you know, whatever, whatever you can get that stuff in. I like taking sardines and pan frying them and like in some bacon grease and putting them on a salad. That's delicious. Mm-hmm. So get that stuff in. It's really, really great for you and for uh, the little one growing inside. Absolutely. I, I kind of want to play around with a... Um like a Caesar dressing based off sardines. I feel like that would be such a cool and easy way to kind of get some, some of those nutrients in. If you can't really stomach the idea of like eating yeah. actual yeah. sardine. Um, but yeah, I, I love mean, it's where your head goes to the recipes. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to, to <laughs> see all these. Yes. Definitely a recipe creator at heart. So, mm-hmm. um, awesome, awesome information. And I know, um, a lot of people, like if you're looking for a quality source for your fish, I know vital choice is huge. I know you get a lot of your fish from there. Laura, I do. Have you when I lived in, when I lived in Washington, I would get it locally. Cause yeah. you could get like, we were just right up close to like Canada, Alaska, mm-hmm. and it was affordable and I knew the quality, but down here, I'm just, I'm a little wary. It's to get really high quality. It's really expensive. Um, so I've been ordering from Vital Choice, and their salmon is just like it, when you buy it in bulk, you actually save money, and it's it's a, like ten steps above anything I've tasted, except for like the fresh wild caught that our friends brought home from their fishing trip when we were in Washington. Yeah. And then they also have their seaweed, which um, is loaded with nutrients, and it, their seaweed salad, and it's it's so good. I could eat a whole tin of it uh, or a box of it or whatever carton of it in one sitting. It's have so you, good. Yeah, it's delicious. Have you tried the, the salmon roe? I think Vital Choice has it. I haven't, but I want to. Have you? No, I haven't. So I follow someone, um, well, Elena, I think that's how you say it, at Haber from Grazed and Enthused. Okay. And her little one has been eating it. So that was one of the first foods that they incorporated. And so I want to do a little bit more research about it, but I know it's like even higher in nutrient, like pound for pound. Um, it makes than, sense. it's eggs. I yeah. mean, just like, you know, that's, that's what he, like, like, yeah, I, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So I'm interested. I'm probably going to order some and I'll, I'll give you guys some feedback on it too. I feel so. like that would have been really great. Cause I know for myself, I've, I've craved salt a lot more than sweet this mm-hmm. pregnancy. And I know roe is typically pretty salty. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's something that I would have loved. <laughs> well, you can just, you can, it's never too late to start. That's true. I think that, my next order, I'm almost out of seaweed and salmon. So I'm going to add that into the next one. Perfect. Well, that brings us to our next, um, salt, salt, uh, sea salt. So, um, qual- so let's talk a little bit about salt. Not all salt is created equal, right? Um, mm. so when we talk about salt, we're, we're, you know, talking about Celtic, uh, salt or pink Himalayan sea salt because of the quality of the salt. So why do you need salt? Okay. The, it's a multitude of reasons, but when you think about, um, fluid salt is a huge thing in promoting, you know, healthy fluid levels. So we're talking about the amniotic fluid that your baby is surrounded by. 
Um, in that fluid, there's a lot of trace minerals. That fluid is going to help regulate the baby's temperature. It's going to help promote lung development for the baby. And also just physically, it's a shock absorption, um, protective layer for the baby. So anything that we can consume, that's going to really, um, optimal, optimize that the quality of that fluid and the amount of that fluid is huge. And salt does play into that. So, um, and again, having this, the salt in there for, Uh, mineral purposes is going to allow nutrients to be delivered to the baby through your fluid, which obviously we want. So we're not talking about table salt. Table salt, when you're thinking of uh, what's the brand, like Morton's or something with the little umbrella girl, um, that salt is highly refined, highly processed. Okay. It's stripped of almost everything good that it could possibly offer, offer to you. And the structure itself is actually altered. Um, when we're talking, so we're not talking about making sure you're getting in table salt. We're talking about things like pink Himalayan sea salt. And the really, really fascinating thing about that is that it actually contains almost all 84 essential trace minerals that you need, um, you know, through your diet. Um, the body is going to use what it needs and then it's going to dispose, um, of the rest of it. And so what's, what is typically what you would need as far as salt consumption? I think the general recommendation is about half a teaspoon a day. Um, and you can do that by putting in a smoothie. You can do it by putting on your food, um, salt to taste. It's not like you need to like go ahead and eat a half a teaspoon of salt every day, but it's one of those nutrients that you just definitely want to make sure that you're getting in. And again, specifically high quality, not table salt. And I would even throw in the caveat there that, um, there's going to be ebbs and flows and eating intuitively. If you're really, really, really craving salt, have more. <laughs> uh, I know for me, first trimester, like for whatever reason, I was missing some, there was without a doubt missing some of those essential trace minerals. So, um, I needed salt on everything. And so I was putting it because probably I was so sick and like, it was hard for me to even drink water. So I would scramble eggs. Actually, my husband would for me because <laughs> I was like incapacitated and just douse them with sea salt and I couldn't get enough. And I wasn't, there was no concern there, you know, because I wasn't overeating it. I was listening to my body. And then I hit, I remember one day I woke up and all of a sudden I salted my eggs, how I had been. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> this is way too much. So as far as if you're eating sea salt, really high quality, um, and you feel like you need more. There's been times in my life where I was training really, really hard and dealing with some injury and I would actually sprinkle salt in my water Mm -hmm. and it actually helps your body to heal, um, and to balance all those, you know, your electrolytes and get those minerals back in balance. So I think that that's as important to kind of be in tune with what you need and what you crave and why. Absolutely. So water, Laura, how are you yeah, doing with water. your water consumption? That's our, our next topic. <laughs> I'm so thirsty all the time. But the funny thing is, is I cannot drink room temperature water. It, it's repulsive. Um, so I have my, I have it right here. You can hear the ice. I have this Yeti and I bought the kind that's like made for coffee because it has a little sip hole at the top. So I can just drink all day long. And I, I put ice in there in the morning, fill it with water and it's cold, ice cold all day long. Um, but you know, you can always overdrink. There is such a thing as over drinking water, but probably not when you're pregnant, mm-hmm. the more you can get water. And if you get dehydrated can be really detrimental for your, um, your, um, amniotic fluid production. And if you get low fluid levels in your, where baby's growing, that can actually be really, really dangerous at any point in pregnancy, but especially later on, um, fluid drops, 
you know, then we can have things like the uh, umbilical cord can get pinched and more. So that's a big one, drink water. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it also helps to kind of like detoxify. I would never recommend that anyone does any sort of detox during pregnancy, but water is just a natural, it helps with natural detoxification, detoxification that your body's doing anyways, um, flushes waste and toxins out. I know I've packed a lot of coconut water for when I do go into labor because it's going to help to, especially if you're not able to eat, um, it's if you can just get coconut water. And I actually got a stomach bug that was going around, um, during my first trimester and I threw up for like a, you know, nonstop for a day and, uh, had nothing. I couldn't keep anything down. And so we bought coconut water and I was able to drink that and keep that down. And that was really important. Um, so it, you know, it matches it electrolyte profile. It's really awesome for you in terms of like re refilling the, the void if you're losing water and having a hard time. Plus the flavor sometimes is easier to get down than just mm-hmm. pure water. Yeah. I know for me, like sparkling water has been great. Ice, 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 cold water has been great. Um, yeah. So. And I know a lot of, I know, I think the general recommendation is like room temperature water, but for me again, like I, I can't do room temperature. And if it's the difference between drinking water and not drinking water, if it's the temperature and that's what makes it palatable for you, I mean, gosh, do what you gotta do. Um, you were talking about throwing up and it just made me, maybe this will go in the outtakes. I don't know, but it made me think about my second pregnancy. I got was really sick in the first trimester and, um, you know, after you have baby, things change. And, uh, I remember, God, I don't know why I'm t- talking about this, but I remember throwing up and peeing at the same time. And it was like, <laughs> I did that two nights ago. <laughs> I don't know how, I don't know why I threw up, but I, I, I had eaten like some guac and I think the spices messed with me, got home, was throwing up into the toilet and <laughs> peed on the ground. <laughs> so I'm sure there are probably like many women out there nodding their heads along with us because yeah, we got to keep it real on this podcast. Yes. We've all, everyone has peed themselves during pregnancy. It's I'm pretty happens. sure it I've happens. sneezed because <laughs> the baby's like on your bladder. And so totally. throwing up, that's a lot of, it's a lot of a pressure. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> ah, anyways, moving along. Back, uh, <laughs> drink, drink water because it's, you're peeing a lot. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, another one, calcium, um, calcium. So when we talk about calcium, we also want to mention that it in conjunction with a couple other, I guess you'd call cofactors. Um, so we're talking about calcium and then magnesium and then specifically vitamin D3. So calcium, again, foundationally, your baby's foundation is being laid in this first trimester. And with that, you're talking about bone and teeth development. Um, and the fact that the fact kind of remains, if you don't have enough calcium, in your system through the foods that you're eating, the baby is going to take what it needs. Um, and that's going to probably come, it is going to come from you. So it's going to leach from your system if you're not taking in an adequate amount. Um, and also just again, keeping it real here, calcium levels, magnesium and all that stuff. If you are one of those women that suffer from constipation and especially in the first trimester, because that's a very real side effect of pregnancy, um, having an adequate amount of, of those nutrients in your body can really kind of keep that at bay. Um, and like we said before, magnesium and vitamin D3 are synergistic to calcium. So, um, keeping it real basic, real simple magnesium is what's going to allow calcium to be absorbed. And then vitamin D3 is actually going to do the transporting of the calcium to the bone and the the kidneys where it's needed. Um, so, you know, consuming 
one source without those other cofactors, um, it's not going to be optimal. So you definitely want to make sure that you're considering all of those. Um, and Laura, what are some good, um, sources of those, those three nutrients that you would suggest to anyone listening? Uh, so for calcium, I mentioned earlier, if you can eat bone in canned fish, uh, that, that calcium, I mean, eating bones is probably one of the best ways to get calcium in, uh, just like eating liver is one of the best ways to support your liver, your liver. There's calcium, you know, you, when you want calcium to help support bone growth and your bones and bone strength. So eating bones is going to help. Uh, so bone broth as well. Um, and then if you're going more, if you want to get through some, some vegetables as well, we've got broccoli, green leafy veggies. Um, like, like we said, if you can, if you can tolerate beans, um, legumes will provide calcium, uh, nuts, and oh, sea vegetables like the seaweed salad from Vital Choice again, really, really, really great. Um, sunflower and sesame seed. So those are all good. And then also really high quality dairy. So I know when I first went to the um, the hospital or whatever for my first prenatal, and they were like, they gave me this stupid pieces of paper that said this is what your plate should look like, and it was like primarily grains. Um, the protein I think was in this form of beans. I forget what the other thing was, and then a whole glass of milk. And uh, no, that's not that not necessarily the case. If you can't tolerate dairy, then don't eat dairy when you're pregnant. If you can, then getting like full fat, um, high quality grass fed milk or yogurt or cheese. Awesome. I know for me, cheese has been a lifesaver this pregnancy. It's sat well the whole time, um, loaded with calcium, loaded with good quality saturated fats, um, and just really, really great overall. So fats and protein actually in that, in dairy as well. So, and then for you, it's up to each woman on her own. I eat raw dairy right now, even while I'm pregnant. Um, I get it from local farmers. I feel very confident in that. So dairy can be a really good source. Again, if you tolerate it, especially yogurt, because then you are also getting probiotics in, um, which can actually help with protein absorption. So, something to consider there. Um, I, I want to just touch on to what you're saying too. I, yeah. I really want to dive deep into a different episode about dairy. Um, mm-hmm. because we also do, when we do consume dairy, we do raw dairy from local farmers because there's a lot of misinformation surrounding it. Again, we're not telling you what you should do. We're just kind of sharing our personal experiences, but I do want to save for a later date, that topic in full, because, you know, we're talking about consuming it personally. And then we're talking about maybe you're in the weaning stage as far as breastfeeding or moving towards, um, a good quality source of milk. I kind of want to go over that and then talk about the research and the statistics because there's a lot of scare tactics surrounding raw dairy. Um, and we want to get pretty, pretty raw about that. Yeah. I like that. Play on work. <laughs> and again, it's like demonizing a super health, healthful food because there's a whole industry that can make money off of the not so healthful version of that food. Exactly. And we'll get into that. Okay. And there's also, you know, then you can play around with sheep's milk versus goat's milk or and cow milk, sheep and goats more similar. Both sheep and goat are more similar to human milk. So some people can tolerate that better. I know I'm great with goat and sheep. I can do mm-hmm. some cow. So play around with it. See how you feel. You, again, you are your best experiment. So see how you feel and then go from there. If you feel crappy, don't eat it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then magnesium algaes are great. So again, some legumes, seaweed, raw cacao, nut seeds. Um, I use a topical throughout, especially throughout my first trimester. You can find it in like an oil form or a spray bottle and, um, sprayed it on my body. It helped with my morning sickness actually. 
And also it's good for through this third trimester. If I had a day where I wasn't super active, um, I'd get restless legs. So it's like when you're laying in bed and you're like, can't stop moving your legs, they feel restless. I don't know if anyone, any of you have felt that, but I would put topical on my legs and it totally helped. So magnesium is huge and our bodies do a pretty good job of telling us when we're, when we're deficient through things like that. It also helps. It can help with sleep, like you were saying, and, um, constipation. If you get the, the powdered form, um, we're going to talk about prenatals, but there's a company called Garden of Life, and they just made a new um, kind of – a lot of people use the Calm, but they made a different one that's made from all real food sources, and I've been using that, and it helps with um, – just makes things move in the morning and then also helps with sleep. So, that's amazing. I did not know that. To to. Yeah, um, it's really awesome. I have, I have restless leg syndrome um, prior to oh. pregnancy, and then – like legit restless leg syndrome, but during pregnancy, it was 10 times worse. And so magnesium was huge for me. And then one thing to consider if you are using the topical spray, I don't know, Laura, if this is something that you experienced, but I had to use some sort of carrier, um, oil, like coconut oil. There we go. Coconut oil again, (laughs) but I had to apply that first because I would put it on the bottom of my feet. Um, and then for some people it's, it can make you itchy, like Mm -hmm. even worse. And almost like stingy. Yes. So for me, um, I had definitely had to use like a carrier oil to like decrease that effect because it was almost like I was trading restless leg syndrome for just like itching my feet all night long. I actually heard, I read something that said that the itchier and or more stingy sensation you get, that means you might be deficient in probiotic. You might have, so I don't know. I need to dive. I don't quote me on that people because I read one thing. So I'm going to definitely dive in more, but I found that really interesting. And and I had the same thing and I started really being much better about, I was started being able to eat crowd again and started to take a probiotic more, more consistently. And that one that reduced for me. Awesome. Um, but definitely don't put it on like freshly shaped legs because no matter how many probiotics you have in your system, that, that will burn. (laughs) Um, but yeah, magnesium is pretty incredible. And, and, uh, the more you can get that in during pre during and then postpartum. Awesome. I think it's really great for sleep and everything too. And then vitamin D we can get through liver. Um, again, my favorite, uh, grass fed butter, good quality cheese, uh, cod liver oil and, uh, egg yolks are really important. They also have choline, which is something, uh, we haven't really touched on, but really, really essential during pregnancy, especially. So when I first trimester, all I could eat was eggs and uh, gluten-free toast for a solid, like 10, 11 weeks. And, uh, I got a lot of choline in cause I was eating so many eggs, um, oily fish like sardines and then, uh, goat milk as well. So goat milk, sheep milk, um, and cow dairy as well. So vitamin D is important. Also get outside as much as you can. If the weather's nice, try and get sun right on that skin. Um, you know, 20 minutes at a time, really, really good for you. Absolutely. I knew this was going to happen. We're at like, I know <laughs> we're talking, we just have so much knowledge to share. I swear. And, yeah. And we can add the caveat that like, this is all really important during first trimester, but it's not, it's, it's the same. Yeah. You keep eating this stuff all three trimesters mm-hmm. and, uh, so we should just kind of fix that and say, this is the stuff you want to get in your whole pregnancy. <laughs> really, truly. Yeah, absolutely. So we'll, we're going to keep going because I feel like this yeah. is valuable, but we know we're, we're talking your ear off here. So, um, and then, so like we said, calcium, magnesium, vitamin D3, iron is another huge one. Um, so iron is important for a couple different reasons, but for the most part, that's how we store and use oxygen. So, you know, people that are anemic will tend to get out of breath 
easier. Um, they will have less energy because they're not really properly utilizing the oxygen their body's taking in. So iron is huge. It's going to help you rid of metabolic waste, which is just a natural byproduct of your body's natural (laughs) processes. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, I need more coffee. And again, like I mentioned energy, because you're already, you're growing a human and anyone who's been through that first trimester, your energy level is (laughs) the worst. I mean, you feel like this is just a terrible decision (laughs) because you can barely, some people, you know, really have a hard time coming back from that. But, and then Obviously, typically you find in that second trimester, the honeymoon phase, like things start to pick back up. But to to support yourself energy wise, you definitely want to make sure that iron um, is in. You're taking an iron in adequate amounts, and really, just to be clear, not all iron is created equally. Um, I know a lot of people use the term poo poo. They poo poo animal um, sort like animal sources of food, you know. But yeah, but. As far as iron goes, that's what we call heme iron. It's actually the easiest for our body to absorb and utilize. Um, and again, here comes the liver and the organ meat talk. Like that's, it's so high in those types of meats um, that if, if you can tolerate animal products or if you're not um, eating you know, vegan or vegetarianism um, for specific reasons, if you can tolerate it, I highly suggest you trying to get your iron from those types of of sources. Now you can get them from vegetable sources. This is what we call non-heme sources. And I think I'm saying that correctly. I've always said yeah. it heme, but, um, yeah. things like spinach and beans, again, if you can tolerate it, um, those are going to be good sources of that, but it's just harder to absorb. And when you're in taking in those non-heme sources, you're definitely going to want to make sure that you are getting adequate amounts of vitamin C because that's, what's going to help enhance the absorption of those from those sources. So things like citrus and strawberries and the, the things that we normally eat that are heavy, high in vitamin C will be essential. Um, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I'm going to throw in maybe the jerk of the two of us at this point, but um, <laughs> coming from my own background, I would say if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, I think pregnancy is one time in your life to really reconsider. Um, and I understand some people do it for religious purposes or whatever the case may be, but um, it's just, it's not a great time. Our bodies really need that stuff and our babies do as well To Uh, and, and I, of anyone, I'm like a true advocate for really, really like I'm, I'm really anal about it. I will not eat conventionally raised animals. Um, so I stick to, cause I was a vegetarian for a long time. And so for me, it's like grass fed. They have to be properly raised all of that for both moral and nutrient reasons. But I'm just going to throw that little caveat in, um, still not being judgmental, just kind of like a plea in a way. I'm like, <laughs> even if it's just a little bit every day or even just a couple times a week, getting some animal sources of these nutrients in, um, it's going to be really, really essential. Even if it's just at the very bare minimum seafood, but ideally, um, I don't have any sort of, uh, allegiance to poultry. I don't think we get <laughs> that much great from it except for protein. But if you can get a little bit of grass fed, um, ruminantin, which is like red meat, a little bit of wild caught fish, you're doing your body a real service. So that's yeah. my, I'm just throwing that in. No, I'm really glad you said that. Again, we always want this to be a non-judgmental space, mm-hmm. but our, our main goal is to actually give you the facts behind it. And the fact is that your body does absorb animal sources of iron um, and a couple other things too, which I'm sure we can dive into better when it's from those sources. And so if you're like looking vitamins and vitamin D and mm-hmm. you know, all that stuff, CLA. Yeah. And if you're looking to optimize this, the growth of the, of the fetus, I mean, that is something to consider. So again, no judgment, but take with, 
take the information what you bleh, why do what you want do what you will with it it's thank money. you i'm so glad you're here <laughs> i'm glad you're here okay. uh, i love it so iron's important and you know what's funny is i remember i went and got blood blood work done and the doctor was like you need to start supplementing with iron and literally the next day like all i wanted to eat was burgers grass-fed burgers and so i did and i didn't really supplement for long i just ate a lot more red meat because that's what i wanted and my numbers were fine so that's getting it from animal sources actually really works um yeah perfect and lastly, um, kidney support. So, um, things that you can do. Okay. So one of the things we talk about over pregnancy, your blood volume is going to be increasing, um, significantly. So you want to make sure that your kidneys are functioning at their, their highest level. Um, they're working harder. You see this because you're urinating more often. You're running to the bathroom. It's just a natural potty talk. Okay. That's what this podcast is about, but it's just a natural (laughs) thing, but it's just a sign that your kidneys are working harder. So you definitely want to support them. So some things that you can eat, we're not going to dive super deep into this, but some, some sources of things, uh, food sources of things that will support that kidney function are going to be things like apples, blueberries, cabbage, cauliflower, um, cranberry, um, not highly processed sugar cranberry juice, but you know, cranberry in its, its natural form, garlic, yeah, like pure, pure yes. cranberry. Um, God, there's a ton extra virgin olive oil, um, onion, bell peppers, <clears throat> strawberries, water, obviously. But I mean, if you're eating a varied diet, chances are you are supporting your kidneys. So I don't want to nitpick too much and like, okay, you need to eat, make sure you're eating blueberries every single day, but you yeah, do it's want- more like what we should avoid. You want to avoid super processed foods, which are going to do a disservice to your kidneys. Absolutely. So like, that's pretty get those things in every day. Exactly. So that's pretty straightforward. Drink your water, eat a varied diet as varied as you can, especially in that first trimester. Yeah. So which brings us to another question, a question we actually got from a reader or a, a listener, a reader at this point, because we hadn't published our first one, <laughs> but um, how to combat food aversions and still nourish your baby. So this is a big one. Like we've talked about all these things that are so essential to get in every trimester. And then um, some people have morning sickness or terrible HG, which is just like you're sick, your whole pregnancy. So what do you do? Um, and in that case, you do the best that you possibly can. You get in as much of that stuff as possible. You supplement if you need to. Uh, you try and stay hydrated, and you don't eat junk. And I know that's hard because sometimes like all you want is mac and cheese. But then think about, hey, how can I maybe take mac and cheese instead of buying like a, a box version, of, like Easy Mac, maybe I'm going to get some organic brown rice pasta or something and then put really high quality cheese and, and organic grass fed heavy, um, whipping cream and just make that a more nourishing. So take the things that maybe you're craving and find someone you love in your life to maybe help you make that a little bit. If you don't have the energy or headspace to do it yourself, try and ask for help and ask, Hey, can you help me to make this into a more nutrient dense? So if you're craving hot dogs, maybe you get like grass fed or bison, really good quality hot dogs. Um, find things that you can do to help to just choose better options of those things that you're craving. And without a doubt, you're going to get the, some of the nutrients that you really need through the, like the better versions, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and ultimately don't beat yourself up, do the best you can. And don't add the extra stress of like hating on yourself or feeling like you failed. Um, especially if you've built up a hedge prior to pregnancy of eating nutrient dense foods, those are still going to be with you. So I did not eat anything green for the first trimester and I'm not worried about it because I was eating healthy beforehand. And then as soon as I could eat those things again, I did. So I ate pastured eggs, 
grass-fed butter and uh, gluten-free sourdough toasts. And I felt really great about that. Um, it helped me to not feel quite as sick. And I knew that the things I was eating, like the eggs and the, and the uh, butter, were really high quality. And I was getting great choline and um, B vitamins and whatnot through those things. So like I said, do the best you can with what you're able to eat and um, do not beat yourself up over it. Oh yeah. And just to add into that, I had pretty significant, um, morning, well, all day sickness. Yeah. Uh, That's such a BS thing. They sell to you that it's just in the morning, but I had pretty significant nausea, um, throughout the first trimester, especially with my second. And I, there were days, literally, I'm just going to be totally honest with you. I ate Taco Bell because that was literally, and I, I never, eat Taco Bell in my real life. But I (laughs) literally, it was like the only thing that I could even fathom eating. Um, I did beat myself up about it because it's like, I know my mind knew better, but my stomach would not listen to me. So rather than what I tried to, rather than dwell on it, I would eat whatever it is that was calling my name, the burrito or whatever. And then, you know, when you can, when you get the next window of opportunity to where you can actually mentally think about eating something that you know is good for you um, it's going to nourish you, take full advantage of it. I mean, for me, that was like I craved soup all the time. So rather than going to get like Campbell's soup, it's like using some homemade bone broth and trying to make it at home or have someone make it at home for you. Um, you know, it's just, I just, I don't, I really want to harp on the fact that the guilt there's no place for it really. It's no, the most use, useless emotion that there is because there's, it, it's just not productive. And so if that's something that you have guilt about, just kind of give yourself grace and move on because you're doing the best you can. We all are. Sorry, that's a tangent, but oh, that's great. Laura that's had great scientific, mean. scientific information, <laughs> but that's just my two cents. <laughs> and that's why, that's why it's so great that we're both here because we have different experiences and we, you know, you know, and, and so again, non-judgmental place where if you, like you said, you ate Taco Bell, but then you had homemade nourishing soup and that broth is so good for you and the veggies in there and everything. So it's just keeping things in a nice balance. Um, you eat something you're not super jazzed about. Don't think about it. You're done. Then your next meal may be a little bit healthier and you can kind of exactly. counteract each other a bit. Exactly. Um, so it's really important. Another question we got was, um, we'll just touch on this really briefly is, um, is paleo. And then the person that said, or high fat, low carb safe when pregnant. And I'll just throw the caveat in there that paleo is not by default, high fat, low carb. Um, and I think we'll do a whole nother episode on this when we talk about fat, but going a little higher fat and getting those essential fats in during pregnancy does not mean that you should be eating low carb. Uh, your body needs glucose to help to fuel first off your own energy levels and then also to fuel all the work that's going inside to, to grow that baby. So getting glucose in, getting carbohydrates in, whether that's, you know, more sources like fruit, I found that throughout pregnancy early on, I needed more starchy carbs. And now I'm really craving, um, berries and fruit and the more fructose based carbohydrates. So, play with it, but please eat carbohydrates. Um, you don't need to go overkill, eat what you feel like you're craving, but you'll notice a difference if you're pregnant and you're decreasing carbohydrate intake. Um, your body will tell you that you need those sugars, uh, in order to fuel all the work that's going on. Even when you're sitting on the couch, your body is working really hard. So again, paleo, there's lots of really great carbohydrate sources. Um, if you are eating paleo and I, the whole paleo thing, I, I'm not a big dogmatic 
I don't believe in dogma in terms of nutrition. Um, I think we all need to find what works best for us. So for me, that included some gluten-free grains, rice. I would cook rice and bone broth. So I'm getting in the broth, but also getting in the great glucose source of the carbohydrate. When I was really sick, there was days when I just ate uh, gluten-free pasta with butter <laughs> and that's all I could get in. So um, I, if anyone is able to get through their whole pregnancy feeling good without eating any sort of non-paleo carbohydrates, uh, cool for you. Didn't work for me. And again, we just, you don't want to be hungry. So paleo is totally safe when you're pregnant, but at the same time, give yourself grace, eat the foods that are going to make you feel well. Um, and don't restrict based on any sort of nutritional dogma. Um, for instance, like dairy, we talked about can be an especially nutrient dense food gluten-free grains, um, or whatever grains you tolerate well, and they're the most real food form can be a great vessel for other good foods, like things like butter or, um, rice, you know, putting like a, a salmon filet on top of rice or cooking bone broth in rice or oats are really good for even for lactation. So getting good quality oats in, um, uh, we are non-dogmatic on this, on this podcast. And I, so. I'm going to be a little bit de- devil's advocate here. And yeah. obviously Laura and I both, um, advocate for a paleo ish based diet where basically when you're talking about paleo, you're talking about eating real whole foods. I mean, that's just, that's, that is what it is and avoiding things that are inflammatory to you. I always, you know, I believe in bio-individuality. I believe that everyone is different. Um, and, but you also may find that, you know, if in your pre-pregnancy life, you couldn't tolerate dairy, um, you may be able to tolerate that during pregnancy because a lot of things change. Um, I know for people with like autoimmune issues that have to really follow a strict AIP um, plan when they're not pregnant, things just because of the nature of pregnancy change and they're able to re- be a little bit more looser with those things. They're not seeing the digestive ups- upset or the, you know, outward skin or other, you know, outward um symptoms of reactions to those foods. So, you know, experiment with it. And again, listen to your body, that intuitive eating. If your body is telling you, maybe let's try dairy, um, try it and see. And if things are going good, you may be able to eat dairy while you're pregnant. Enjoy it while it lasts because it may not be that way once you deliver. So just some things to consider. And I know, again, we're kind of so much to talk about. Do you want to what do you think? I think we could touch quickly on um, some, like just the prenatals we recommend. And aside from that, I mean, we've talked a lot about whole food sources of these nutrients and how to get them in that way. Um, and I think it's a good start and we can dive more into the nitty gritty, like, uh, as we, as we move forward and we'll get some experts on here as well to talk to you guys about nutrition. Um, I will say quickly before we jump into prenatals that I've been doing the whole, if you haven't heard six dates a day in the last four to five weeks of pregnancy, I've been doing that pretty religiously. And so studies have shown that those who consumed dates had an average of eight and a half hours of the first stage of labor, while those who didn't had an average of 15.1. So I'm holding on to that in hope, but who knows if it's going to work. So I'll report back when I give you guys my, my birth story, but, um, that's just a thing. So throwing that out there now, we'll do a follow-up down the road. Um, I have, I a, love dates. yeah, dates are delicious. I have an in a study of one based <laughs> off my personal experience. And it, who knows if this had anything to do with it, but my first pregnancy, I was in over 24 hours of active labor. I did not do dates. And then the second go around, I read that same study. And so uh-huh. I did the dates, um, as well in the final days of pregnancy. And it was like, 
crazy different. So I don't know if it's dates, but it's worth a shot, especially if you yeah. like dates. <laughs> and so I've, I've been cutting sugar in other places and I like, I'll blend, I have this on my Instagram if you guys want to look for it, but I'll blend dates into almond milk with a little bit of cacao powder and some vital proteins, collagen, peptides, and some whey protein, and then pour that over cold brew in the morning. I make my own decaf cold brew and it's delicious. It sweetens it without actually adding any sugar. And then like later in the day, I'll do almond butter in with date and sea salt. And it's just, it, they're delicious and it's a good way to get some, some carbs in. Um, but just note that you maybe need to cut sugar elsewhere if you're worried about that. So they're delicious. I will report back. Maybe we'll have an, an end study of two. <laughs> we will see. Um, but what prenatals did you take when you were pregnant? I did the garden of life, the raw, um, Me too. prenatals. Cause I did a lot of research and found that it's, I think it's only, it's one of the major ones you can get at like most stores that have actual food based sources of folate and not folic yes. acid, which was huge to me. Cause I didn't want to be taking a million different pills. Um, so is that, you said that's the one you've been taking? Yeah, I took it. I started taking that probably at least six to nine months before we even started trying to conceive. Um, and I, again, I think that really helped. It's loaded with the real food forms of so many of the nutrients we've talked about. So it's a great supplement. I, I'm not saying take this supplement and then don't eat. Don't worry about what you eat. It's good to, to add to what you are eating. Um, and they actually just came out with a, a gummy one. Same, pretty much the same. Um, and it's in gummy form. So if you're, I know for myself, I did smarty pants when I could not swallow pills cause I was too sick. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are great, but the garden of life gummies are actually even better than the smarty pants in terms of what they've got in them. So we'll link to all of those. Yeah. Um, and there are a couple other ones I know, like it really depends again, like budget price point, um, yeah. you know, availability, but like thorn basic has a good one. I know ortho molecular has a good one. Um, and there are a couple of other, again, we'll put them in the show notes, but do your, your research and kind of figure out what, what works best for you. But you definitely want to make sure that you're getting a real food, um, source of folate again, not folic acid, because a lot of those ones that you can just buy off the, like the target brand or whatever, um, is folic acid. So folic acid is actually a synthetic form of folate. Um, natural folate is actually absorbed through the intestine, whereas folic acid needs to be processed by the liver. And, you know, the liver doesn't actually contain a lot of those enzymes that are necessary to process it, meaning it's usually not going to be metabolized correctly. And I'm sure we could get really in depth in this, but just to keep it brief, that's the essential difference. Like you could be taking in a lot of folic acid, but not actually your body's not actually being able to utilize it correctly. And I know this is especially, you know, important for people that maybe have that NTHFR. I always get that, that wrong, but that, that genetic mutation where, you know, they especially need folate versus folic acid. Um, so that's my two cents on, on that. And you can get, if you find a really good prenatal that doesn't have folate in it, you can also supplement with real food based folate in another pill form if you want to. And again, also just eating, food-based sources in your diet of folate, that will be helpful as well. Yeah. Yeah. I'm happy. I feel like we covered a lot today. There's always going to be more, but that's why this podcast will continue <laughs> forever and <laughs> ever. Years to come. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm having a like really intense Braxton Hicks right now. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> kind of fun. Um, but we will leave it there, I think. Are you okay with that as yeah. far as nutrition goes for today? And, yeah. uh, and, uh, 
um, we are so grateful you guys are here and, uh, this is episode three now. So you've got a few to have listened to, to hopefully maybe write us a review. Um, we will be posting on our social media very soon about a giveaway we're doing with paleo Valley for their organ complex, um, which is freeze dried to preserve nutrients. And it's got liver, heart, brain, and kidney all in there. It's really, really incredible. Um, I think I'll be writing a post and we'll be sharing that, but Stay tuned, and that, that giveaway will include um, writing a review. So if you do that now, you will be included. It's going to be anyone who writes a review from the time of the inception of this um, of this podcast. So go ahead and do that. Subscribe if you haven't. Share this with your friends, any moms, dads, support people, aunts, uncles, whatever, whoever might be interested. It means the world to us. Let us know what you think. Um, you can always send us an email with questions or ideas for interviews to modern mamas podcast at gmail.com. I'm Laura and you can find me at laura.radicalroots on Instagram and at myradicalroots.com online. And, uh, I'll let you share yours. I'm Jess and you can find <laughs> me at jess.holdthespace on Instagram. And again, you can find me on Facebook and other avenues too, but I'm not really on that. So Instagram is a way to connect with me. And then all of my content will be at, um, holdthespacewellness.com. Awesome. Well, thank you friend. Yeah. Thank you. I, and, uh, um, you better text me. <laughs> oh, I will. You'll be one of the first. That's for sure. You'll know before my mom. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, Sorry, and all you out there have a, yeah, she's not listening. Not yet. Anyways, we'll see maybe someday. Um, everyone out there, we hope you have a good week yes. and, uh, yeah, stay in touch. Let us know what you think and we will talk to you next week. Bye guys. Bye. Bye.